It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, September 1st, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Mary Peltola will be Alaska's next member of the United States Congress. The Bethel Democrat edged out Republicans Sarah Palin and Nick Begich in Alaska's first ranked-choice special election, which concluded yesterday. State Division of Elections Director Gail Fanumiai walked observers through the process in a live stream over Facebook Wednesday afternoon. And in round one, Nick Begich was eliminated because he had the least number of votes, and it shows where the transferred votes went to the two remaining candidates and the number of exhausted ballots and then round two showing the leader at this point in time, which is Mary Peltola with 91,206 votes and Sarah Palin with 85,987 votes. Fanumiai stressed that the election results were unofficial until the State Review Board certified the election, when results would be tabulated one more time. Alaska voters turned out in near-record numbers for the August 16th special election, which was held at the same time as the state primary election, about 192,000 voters, the third-largest turnout in state history for a primary. The Division of Elections held off tabulating final results to allow time for all overseas ballots to arrive in the mail. Peltola held a significant lead in preliminary results published by the division prior to the final tabulation, with about 40% of round one votes, compared to 31% for Palin and 28% for Begich. While those numbers suggested that the two Republicans would combine votes to reach a 50% majority in the second round, that clearly didn't happen. Many Begich voters gave their number two ranking to Peltola, which was enough to give her the majority needed to win the seat. Once the State Review Board signs off on the election, Peltola will be sworn into the office when the U.S. House of Representatives concludes its summer recess in September. Peltola will be the first Alaska Native Congressperson and the first person other than Don Young to represent Alaska in the House in 49 years. Peltola will serve in Congress until next January, when the winner of the seat in this November's general election takes office. And Peltola now appears to be the likely favorite in that race as well. In the 80-odd miles of rocky coastline between Ketchikan and Wrangell, there's one safe harbor, Myers Chuck. The city and borough of Wrangell is supposed to upkeep the community's docks, but in recent years, that's fallen on the few residents that live at Myers Chuck. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, Wrangell's government is working to get the ball rolling on a larger harbor repair project. Eight years ago, the state of Alaska turned over management of the docks in the tiny southeast hamlet of Myers Chuck to the city and borough of Wrangell. At the time, the 400 feet of docks were deteriorating and not expected to last much longer. As a part of the agreement, the state's Department of Transportation gave Wrangell $1.4 million, with the understanding that the borough would do maintenance and repairs on the docks. But little changed. With their now almost 60-year-old docks sinking, Myers Chuck's 20 residents banded together to buy blue and white barrels to keep the structures afloat. That caught the attention of Wrangell officials. We have a responsibility of trying to get them upgraded down there. That's Wrangell's harbor master, Steve Miller. Their floats are probably, I would say they're worse than anything that we have here in town right now. And to provide them a safe place to moor their boats, it just became a priority. 
In the last year, Wrangell's government has taken steps to fulfill its responsibility to the people of Myers-Chuck. Last year, the borough assembly reimbursed the residents for maintenance supplies and replaced the airplane float, a critical lifeline for supplies, mail, and an important contact point in case of medical emergencies. Fully replacing the docks, though, is estimated to cost over $2.3 million. Wrangell can't swing that cost alone. A full dock repair isn't in the budget this year, Harbormaster Miller told Wrangell's borough assembly at a meeting in early July. The whole Myers-Chuck Harbor budget is $5,000. Some of the stuff that we need to get down there just for planking replacement and just minor, minor repairs. I mean, it's $1,000 to get down there. So that $5,000 does not go very far. There also isn't much money coming in from mortgage fees in Myers-Chuck. It's on an honor system, and the borough only anticipates bringing in around $1,500 in the coming year. To try and subsidize the cost of a dock, Wrangell's Assembly is placing its hopes in a harbor grant from the State Department of Transportation. In order to apply, Wrangell's Borough Assembly has already committed over $1.1 million as part of a match to update the docks. Applications for next year's grant cycle were due August 5th, and Wrangell's Capital Facilities Director Amber Al-Haddad says the borough likely won't hear back until August of next year. Al-Haddad says the borough hopes that the remote nature of Myers-Chuck's location will be a boon to its application. It's the only protected harbor between Ketchikan and Wrangell, so it also provides a safe harbor for fishermen. I would say that that's a critical piece for the Myers-Chuck dock. And I believe what we were told was in this next round of review for the DOT Matching Harbor Grant Fund Program, safety is a big concern of theirs, and so that it provides a safe harbor for commercial fishermen as well as just the the importance of it to the Myers-Chuck community, I think, will, will be something that we focus on. Wrangell officials expect it to be a phased project. The borough assembly already approved over $250,000 for the dock replacement project design at a meeting early last winter. That'll cover the engineering design as well as any necessary environmental work. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Alaskans trap and snare all over the state for food and fur, and every once in a while, a pet might get into one by accident. At a recent workshop in Petersburg, a state biologist and local trappers came together to teach the public what to do if that happens. Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports. Eric Dreispaugh stands at the front of a room in the Petersburg Public Library holding up a conibear trap. He and others are using a stuffed husky to illustrate how to release dogs out of different types of traps and snares. It's part of a presentation by the local office of the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. The conibear, or body grip trap, is one of the most worrisome. It's the kind that snaps shut around an animal's neck with the intention of a humane kill. So like you said, you're going to want to work rapidly on this. Dryspaw then demonstrates a trick for releasing the trap using a dog leash. Run it through, bring it back to you, run it through one more time. By looping the leash through the trap, you can get more leverage by placing the leash's handle on your foot and pulling the other end with your hand. And then, like right now, you can get him out without even putting the safety on. You should be able to pull his head out. Dryspot knows a few tricks like this as a trapper and a pet owner. Six years ago, he was busy cutting wood with his family when one of his young labs got caught in a wolf snare. He was able to release the dog, who ended up going to the vet for a bulging eye caused by ruptured blood vessels. But the dog quickly recovered, and the family didn't blame the trapper. Here's Eric's wife, Lindsay Dryspot, talking to the local radio station about it. 
It was purely our fault. The trapper did everything right. Everything was marked and labeled as it should have been. It was just a case of losing track of our dog. How many pets get into traps and snares in Alaska is unknown. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game does not track that data. Anecdotally, it's more common in other parts of the state, according to Frank Robbins, a state biologist managing lands in central southeast. Previously, he worked in Glen Allen and told the Petersburg crowd that it's not in a trapper's best interest to catch anything other than what they're after. In general, he says, they're a conscientious group. And most trappers are ethical. And ethical trappers won't place traps in places that are you know, well-known to dog walkers or uh, trails that are, are super active. Uh, unfortunately, it still might happen. Trapping seasons for various animals runs from the fall through the spring, but mostly in the winter months. One of the traps used in the state's presentation was found earlier in the day near a creek outside of town. Maybe it was from last year and forgotten, or maybe it was someone intentionally setting out of season. Either way, it's rare to run into them. Many Alaska communities have laws preventing trappers from setting in populated areas. But Alaskans also like to go off trail with their dogs. Workshop attendee Karen Roswald says she sometimes takes her dog to a frozen slough for ice skating. So if I'm ice skating and going from the Omer Creek little trail bridge all the way down to Blind Slough, doing that whole circuit, and then you'll find, you know, you, you find beaver holes and stuff, and I don't know who's setting back there. To prevent problem encounters, some trappers, like Adam Ware, display notices nearby. I usually put in a Ziploc bag, uh, gallon size, with a paper written in Sharpie, like, hey, oh. hey trapping area. Some... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I make yeah. sure that stays up and visible. Ware was also helping at the workshop. He says he learned early on to be responsible for his traps. My dad raised me and my older brothers and my younger brother uh, trapping. Basically, since we're little kids, we've just went out and set, just basically teaching us how to live off the land. The State Department, along with the Alaska Trappers Association, created a Trapper's Code of Ethics and a manual for getting pets out of traps. Those can be found online, along with how-to videos by the ADFNG. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now, taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Thursday, September 1st, 2022. Today, cloudy, patchy fog in the morning, chance of rain. Highs around 60, southeast winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, rain, lows in the mid-50s, southeast winds 10 to 20 miles per hour. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. This 